Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirada de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels is consulting with representatives of the ancient Terran species. Together, they are making plans for battle. Good morning. How are you? Yes, I'm as surprised as you are that the government's approved the plan to share technology and work together for a common goal. I guess stranger things happen, don't they? But not this often, and not this rare. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're pleased with the results. So, I take it that means you're willing to open up your files to us. Okay. Alright. So, your computer technology, if you want to call it that, should interface with ours. Right. Let's see. Okay. Alright. Well, let's try plugging that in. Mm-hmm. All right. I know a lot of your technology is oral history, some of the races, but I know some of you have technology similar to our own. Okay. I do know that you, the marsupial humans... like us. You developed bomb technology? What were these bombs that you developed? Hmm. Really? That's strange. What do you mean they didn't tell us everything? Well, they wanted us to develop on our own, right? Oh. So what you're saying is they didn't tell us because of the mistake of telling you too early on. Do you want to talk about it? Well, I understand your race became obsessed with trying to stop these aliens from defeating us. And you took a different path, not understanding the gravity of following the rules as it is. And you lost most of your advanced technology when that happened, but didn't you just go back and recreate everything that you had before, after the fall of Atlantis? Hmm. I see what you're saying. I see reference to it right here. There's a. Well, we have libraries all over the world. We store our technology that way. 
and our knowledge to prevent uh, something like that from happening. Much of the same way as the burning of the Library of Alexander slowed human progress. We don't want that to happen again. We've even stored samples of biogenetic material and seeds and knowledge about diseases so that future generations can go back and review our work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about this space envelope that they open outside Jupiter when they come into our solar system. What do you actually know about them? That's the most important thing. For us to develop a strategy, we need to know the weaknesses of these aliens. Are they, do they have super strong skin? Are they very tall? I was looking in your rule book and I see that there are mass and weight and height rules to what a warrior can have about them. So you couldn't just come in with like a battleship wrapped around one warrior and blow them up. Am I correct? Okay. So eight foot is the upper height limit. I see Tom Tom has to have his ears pulled down to to qualify as a warrior. It's amazing. They're going to have to give him a haircut and pin his ears back to get him to qualify. Amazing. And the upper weight limit, too, is very important. So you couldn't just come in with unlimited weapons. You could only come in with so many weapons, so much muscle and weight, body mass, Mm -hmm. so much armor. It's quite intriguing how you have to work all this out. So they have armor, and they have energy weapons, and yeah, and regular cutting-edged weapons, and they have distance attack weapons, like laser guns, I take it. Okay. But they still have a somewhat humanoid-ish body. They still have bones, muscles, nerve systems. Have you tried attacking them in different ways? Maybe like a gas attack or, um, you know, um, some kind of, uh, mm-hmm. yes, like a hypodermic needle or a gas attack, some way of introducing some kind of poison to them. Okay. All right. They're just as susceptible to radiation as we are. And you've never capitalized on that? Well, of course the radiation would poison your warriors, but it might give you an advantage if you could shield against it. Well, of course, a lead shield is very heavy, but lead isn't necessarily the best material to use to stop radiation. There's other things that stop radiation. Okay. Well, we won't discuss that too far right now. But that does make me wonder. They travel through this space envelope from their far-off empire. But if they were in space for, you know, quite a long time, they would be exposed to huge amounts of radiation, I take it, right? Well, the reason I'm asking you is it doesn't quite make sense. 
you say the marsupials are just as susceptible to radiation as they are, okay, and so are primates, then they can't be in space for too long. They use basically some kind of ion motor to get from Saturn to Earth in a very short time period. They have shielding on their ship, but it, of course this is all temporary, depending on lots of things like exposure limit and time averages over see here's the thing about radiation we don't really have we have the technology to go to say mars it would be like a four to six month trip the problem is you're exposing your astronauts to a huge amount of radiation let me show you here on this graph right here see this okay right here you're exposing your astronauts to a huge amount of radiation over that period. And then, of course, they're on Mars that has a very uh, minor electromagnetic um, core. So it doesn't have a magnetosphere to fend off radiation. So a lot of the radiation is reaching the surface of Mars. So your astronaut is absorbing even more radiation on the surface. Even if he's shielded most of the time from it, he has to work on the surface eventually if he's going to get any discovery or any science work done. And then, of course, there's the return trip. The return trip, you're adding even another six months to a year's worth of radiation total once he gets there. This is cumulative, right? Okay. Well, these aliens are getting from Saturn to Earth in less than a few weeks' time. That shows me that they haven't developed, they have this space envelope to get from one side of the universe to the other, but their technology to get from one planet to another is, well, it appears to be hardly more advanced than what we have. After all these years, there is other problems. I mean, you, you speed up to come here, and then you've got to turn around and slow down to get into an Earth orbit trajectory so that you can enter the Earth's atmosphere. You can't just fly up here at the speed of light. I understand that, but okay, well I guess what I'm getting at is as long-lived and advanced as their society is, they haven't had any need to develop anything past this ion propulsion unit that gets them here relatively quickly. I mean, to, for us to travel from here to Saturn takes a couple years, but they do it in a couple weeks. That's very quick, but it's still not that quick. And I, I, they're using these envelopes, these time-bending space portals, to get from one end of the galaxy to the other. And they leave them open? The whole time they're here, the, for weeks and weeks while this contest goes on, and then they fly back and leave, and then the envelope closes, that space-time bubble, or gateway, or wormhole, whatever they're using, it's open for over a month and a half from what you're showing me on this data. Have you ever thought about going through the envelope back to their world? No? None of you developed a spacefaring technology. 
That's why you believe we were the evolved species to help you. That that we were ready. Hmm. Not because you developed it, but because we developed it so quickly. Well, I think curiosity is definitely something our race is, has abundant amounts in. I don't know if I could compare our literature to yours, but our science fiction tales, we write them and then we create the science fiction and make it reality. I think our dreamers are our first line of defense in this situation. And the child in me, the child in my mind, is telling me what's on the other side of that envelope. And why do they have to leave it open so long? Why do they leave it open so long? Why haven't they created a technology that's a lot faster? Obviously, there's no reason to. Hmm. This is all interesting. Very quizzical. You do know we could build a starship. Right now. Yes, with human technology. In fact, for the last 50, 60 years, there's been plans on the books. We just never build it. It was called the Orion Project. Well, basically, it's a push rocket. You detonate an explosion underneath it. You send the rocket up into the air. You detonate another explosion. It goes higher. Another explosion. It goes higher and another and another. You use different um, ways of stabilizing it so that it stays above the explosion and it just keeps driving it higher till it's in the atmosphere. It was a massive starship. I mean, it would be a generational ship. You could take 200 people on the ship the way it was originally designed. There was one small problem with it. It used atomic weaponry, shot down a cannon to detonate and push the pusher pad. <laughs> Yes, uh, setting off um, 20 or 30 atomic explosions to put a rocket into outer space probably isn't very healthy for the planet. But it is doable. And like I said, the plans do exist. Once you're in outer space, it's quite easy. You just keep firing the rocket, is not the rocket, the explosions at the end of the rocket pusher pad. Until you get up to the speed you want, when you're ready, you turn the rocket around and slow it down when you get where you need to be. We could easily build a version of this, and we would take our most powerful weapons with us, our atomic weaponry, and we could go through that envelope. If we could do that, what would we not only find on the other side, but what kind of a coup would that be? It, it, it's, it's outside the rules. I could have every expert in the world examine the rules to make sure, but there's nothing saying we can't take the fight to them. Why are we waiting for them to come to us? I know this sounds like a novel thought, but we do have several years to prepare. We could assemble a small rocket ship and go through that envelope when they open it up. Space is so vast. If they don't have a detection system in line, or at least the first time we try it, they may not even know we're there. When the envelope opens, we just 
slide right through at the same time they're coming out. They may not even know we traveled through it. Well, I'm sure they have some kind of sensor system. Like you said, you can almost see the anomaly, the envelope in space from Earth. It's almost like another moon of Saturn, you say. Well, that's so huge. I mean, how could they detect us if we were there? The energy signature of this device must be massive. They might need to put it by a planet the size of Saturn just to kind of tow it in place, using the gravity well of Saturn to kind of literally hold it in place. If we were to go out there with a probe even and use one of our own satellites to maybe look around, we might be able to find if there's a, a base here. We might be able to shut that base down and prevent them from even coming here. I mean, there's lots and lots of possibilities. I, I My mind's going all over the place. You know, if we could shut the portal down, if we could blow up their ship when it first comes out, if we could slide through and attack them instead, there's lots of possibilities. Well, as long as we don't break the rules, we're just playing the game. Now, you told me that your technology, the explosive devices you used, did damage their ship once they got inside. So their technology is like any other. Once you get past it, they're just as weak as any other humanoid, any other biological creature. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely give me hope right now. I'm glad you approve of some of my ideas. Now, there's a lot of work between now and then. Can we build a ship that big? Can we launch it in time? Can we protect our crews from the radiation, let alone can we make it safe for them to return home? We don't know what we're going to get into once we get out there, but I do know one thing. We've got to fast-track a probe out to Saturn and try and find any evidence of a base camp or a, a device that maybe a beacon, something, maybe a, almost like a buoy on the ocean. There's got to be something there. And if not, then we've got to at least be there when they show up so that we're ready for them. No, no, no. I, I do think it's a bad idea if we attack them when they come out. At least this time. But we need to know if that's even an option. We have to know our enemy. And the only way that's going to work is if we go through that tunnel. I know it's insane. Have you ever heard of the idea of mutual assured destruction, MAD? Well, basically, you have atomic weaponry and I do. If we launch, we both die. So it prevents us from using that technology against each other. There's a strong possibility if we were to pull the same insane strategy against them, we might be able to form some kind of a truce with them, some kind of detente. We might be able to stop them and call this quits. I know you think I'm insane. I know that you think there's no way we can win this battle. The 
first time out. But there is a chance, isn't there? There's always a chance. Obviously, when you blew up one of their ships, you must have offended them greatly. Because, as you said, they came through with many, many, many more ships. And that's how you knew how long that envelope could stay open, and that's how you detected it. It's because of your mistake we learned enough to win now, don't you think? Or at least you gave us the chance. It's what we do with that chance is what counts. Well, I'm glad you approve. I think the main thing we need to concentrate on is now that we have the funds to do it, we could build at least one starship, if not two, to encounter them when we get up to the space envelope. We could also probably fast-track a probe, get it launched, and get it out there searching at least a year before we arrive with the starships. It'll be a tight schedule, but I think we can do it. Also, I think we need to look at biological and chemical means, not just atomic weaponry that we can take with us when we go there. We might find a simpler, non-nuclear option, but we have to take those options with us. There won't be time to come back and correct our path once we get there. The other thing is we could launch probes through the hole when the starship goes through as well. And what these probes could do is they could send back an immense amount of data. They could even return with data to help us figure out what to do in case our starship fails. They would also let us know if our starship survived, if they had any success. Now these things are all possible, but we've got to get to work right away. The pusher plate alone is going to be massive, and we're going to have to almost build the rocket in place and evacuate wherever we are going to launch it from. It's going to be too large to transport once it's built. So we'll probably have to build it in place in a factory area wherever we're going to launch it. And that presents a whole bunch of problems also. But you never know. We have several years to figure out what we can do about the radioactive cleanup in the process. It's also possible we could launch two rockets and in one launch, and then they would separate once they're up in the space. That would give us at least two options once we get there to Jupiter. There's a lot of things we can do. It's just we've got to think this thing through, and we've got to take our one big hard swing at it. If we strike out, so be it. But remember, we have three strikes and we're out. So let's give ourselves at least a three-way option of how we can defeat them. We need to have something in space around orbit. That shouldn't be too hard to build. We need to have the Orion Project ready. And we need to have space probes in place to give us all the data and knowledge we can and get it back to us as quickly as possible, just in case our boys fail once they get there. This isn't a bad idea. But all we have to do is hit one single home run, and we've got these guys licked. Well, what did you think we were going to come up with? 
Sure, we're going to take one of our men and turn them into a great warrior. I, we're already working on some armor and technology upgrades, and we're looking at your weapons and how we can integrate them into some kind of armored suit for our soldier that goes into battle. Yes, I think we can build that super suit and have it ready at the same time. And that's a great idea. But what if we built many super suits? What happens if we challenge them to a fight there with five of our best warriors? Doesn't say anything in the rules about not challenging them back. If we win the fight there, we tell them to leave us alone. What do you think about that option? How's that for an idea? Well, I understand there's warriors out there that train their whole lives to defend this planet. I'm sure we can find five brave soldiers to travel to their planet to fight in our honor. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I know I can think of many human soldiers that would die just to have a chance to travel in outer space and see another world. Well, I'm glad you agree. I think the scariest thing is not your alien enemies. I think the scariest thing that I have confronted so far since I've met all of you is that not only does my government agree with you, but you're starting to agree with us. <laughs> and that's frightening. It's frightening when we're all getting along on the same page. That means the threat is really, really bad. <laughs> I don't take it lightly, no matter how much I laugh about it. Well, thank you. And, uh, I've already got back some plans and some preliminary ideas. We're thinking about building this rocket on an island. It will be a little bit difficult, but it's better for when we launch. That's the one good thing about the internet and human beings. We can share data at a speed of light. And in doing so, we are advancing our technology, our ideas, and speeding up the industrial process a hundredfold. I think we can win this thing. I know it's early, but I think we can win. Now let's get to work. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Remember to stay tuned for the next installment of this story coming soon. When you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com.
on behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.